Hello and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 110. It's Christmas, every day with Atlassian. Woo! Because we have got so many gifts for you, our good listeners, today. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined by my two favorite podcast co-hosts, Brenda Burl and Matthew Stubblefield. Hey, guys. Aren't we your only podcast co-host? <laughs> what about- you know, that's a bar I can get you know, above and across. Uh, that, that is a standard I can it. meet. We'll take it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you guys don't know about my super top secret niche podcast that I also don't know anything about. Ryan, are you podcasting with someone else? No. I'm I would, hurt. I would never. I would never. All right. So we have a ton, a ton of stuff to get through. And that's why we think this episode is just like Christmas. The first thing, though, that we have to talk about very quickly, Adaptivist has launched our latest edition of the State of Atlassian survey. And we want your opinion. We want to hear what your Atlassian use is like in the year 2020 and 2021. Uh, tell us what you want to see, what you're looking for, and enter for the chance to win a gift card. See? Christmas. Mm, true. You'll find a link to a blog giving you a little more context around the survey and a link to the survey itself in our show notes. Speaking of show notes, Ryan, um, I wanted to point out a nice little feature. If you get your podcast through the Adaptivist podcast page, Brian has been doing some excellent work transcribing podcast episodes. And I wanted to make sure that, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I wanted to make sure that we called this out because um, even though I am one of Ryan's favorite podcast co-hosts, I don't actually listen to a lot of podcasts and it's because I have a little bit of trouble processing verbal things. So like audiobooks and things that are just people talking to me, I zone out and I, I lose track of it. Um, so if given the option, I always want to read something instead of listen to it. Um, the transcripts, Ryan has not had an opportunity yet, um, superhuman though he is, to transcribe all of our episodes. However, he is working on them. And so if you, like me, are a visual person and that transcript is going to help you, please do check out our podcast page, uh, adaptivist.com slash podcast, and um, you can get those transcripts right there. That's a super nice thing. Um, it just made my heart sing. It was like Christmas when Ryan told me that. So in keeping with our theme, our gift to you, some transcribed episodes. It's it's like February, it's February 9th, the day we're recording today, and Christmas is either really early or really late. Either way, we'll take it. And our first place to jump into is the Atlassian Cloud, and starting with Jira Cloud, where we have three updates to the deployment feature. First of all, you're able to use a date range filter in your deployments. You're able to export all of the information around your deployments directly from the deployment view, and the new insights into deployment frequency will give you a thorough understanding of your deployment frequency right in the palm of your hand because it's also available officially in mobile. There's also some new nice little touches to improve your quality of life while working in Jira, including the code feature enabled automatically when you connect a code editor tool such as GitHub or GitLab. In the new issue view, you can remove all of the attachments from an issue at once, which is a nice uh, (laughs) delete all function. And with your classic software projects, you can now enable in-context help with the help button. Now, now Ryan, I'm going to let you finish, but 
as I was reading through the cloud notes earlier, I did think it was interesting this delete all attachments because because you're about to talk about several new archiving features added to other products. And you, you all know me, I don't like to delete anything ever. So I was like, huh, you can archive this, you can archive that, you can archive this other thing. Oh, but delete all in Jira. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what permissions will be around that, if any, or if it's going to be like... Use this oops. newfound power responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe it's actually a super secret archive button that they label as delete. That's not how it works. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not how that works at all. But speaking of archiving, in Confluence Cloud, you are now able to archive pages in bulk. The other big feature for Confluence Cloud is the new and improved team calendars, which is really just an interface overhaul. It's the same calendar with a nice new front end, which gives me hope that maybe the team calendars uh, is going to get some love in the coming year. There was something really cool in Confluence that that caught our eye, and we all went, hmm. A feature in the works for second quarter is external collaboration in Confluence Cloud. And, and I'm just going to read this real quick. Work securely with external clients and contractors. The external collaborator role, ah, a new role, ensures clients can only access content and user information if they are explicitly granted access to the space to discuss. It is worth noting that this is only on the, the cloud roadmap page and does not have many details. So we are entering into the part of the show that we like to call wild speculation. But I think, I think, and now Matthew has strong opinions on this and he's probably right, but he usually, think, is. He usually is. It's, it's something, but, but I think this is a shot across the bow at Google. Mm. What do you, what do you say to that, Matthew? I mean, does, I mean, I'm sure Google knows who Atlassian is, but I mean, this is uh, <laughs> that's that's quite the comparison there. I so so there is a there actually is an app for server and data center of Confluence that facilitates this and allows external collaboration. Um, it's interesting to me that this is coming to cloud. It, it makes sense as, as Ryan pointed out before we started recording. You know, it probably is going to tie in with your Atlassian ID. Here's where we disagree. I think. Atlassian is totally going to charge you for every external <laughs> collaborator you add in. So, you know, you've got a, a, a 10 user cloud instance or a hundred user or something, and you add in too many collaborators. And I, I mean, this is perhaps unfair, but it would not be atypical yeah. for Atlassian to give you no notification. Your next bill will just be higher next month. And not only for your Confluence Cloud instance, but for every app that you have installed, you're going to get billed for those extra users. Oh, That's dude. what I think is going to happen. So I, I, this is my main concern. Atlassian, you know, you, you've gone through this with Trello. You've gone through it before. If any of you are listening, strong recommendation to put a banner at the top as <laughs> soon as somebody goes over their, their license count or like, do, you know, maybe disallow adding external collaborators if it's going to put you over your license count. I don't know, but I... It's cool. I'm excited, but uh, there's definitely some like PR and some user experience work to do here. Like a big UX opportunities here to make this good. Well, this is why I think that that they're aiming at that Google functionality because look, I if Google had a front if Google Docs had a front end like Confluence, it would be a world beater, right? But it doesn't. 
it's bunk. To find other people's content is is not as friendly. So if they had that kind of so Confluence brings that, and you bring somebody else in with a, an Atlassian ID. They just have to have an Atlassian ID. They don't have to have I just, a license. I don't I know think what that's Atlassian's model. That's like not, I, I, that's not how they do things. I, you're right. That's and that's that's just not their business model. Like I was looking at uh, running a wiki for a nonprofit recently, and it, even for a small team, the Atlassian stuff was so expensive. Like their model of sort of open collaboration and data mining as a means of driving the the value to them as a company. That's Google's model. That's not them. Their model is subscription payments. Uh, uh, yeah. I, that, that's what they're... I, wild speculation. Wild that, speculation. That's where I think it's going to go. We will definitely be tracking this story. We can't wait to see how this, this comes out. And I will probably be buying, Matthew, some sort of beverage as a you were right uh, reward. Okay, we've got a lot of news to cover, guys. So we're going <laughs> to put a pin in that and come back to it. Wow. Over in Bitbucket... <laughs> <laughs> Over in Bitbucket Cloud, you're now, the, and I think this is this is pretty nice, right? It's a very simple mm-hmm. thing. It's subtle, but when you cancel out on a comment, it will now go into a draft. Your comments will be held for two days as a draft, which is just a nice little feature Great. in Bitbucket Cloud. In Roadmaps for Jira, there are three new features. There's enhancements to the warning center, so they can warn you about which warnings you're going to be warned about. You're able to filter and find issues by issue key, which, to be honest, not much going on there. You can just type your issue key, and it will bring you directly to your issue. And finally, um, and I don't, I'm really interested on your take on this, you two. Newly created issues will match whatever filters you have applied at the moment. So that they will s- irritate the ever-living crap out of me. See, this is what I thought you were going to say. I'm sitting here going like, I love it, and I'm so happy they're finally adding this because when I'm in a software board and I have an epic selected and a version selected and you know maybe something else, and I'm creating you know 20 stories or something, like I absolutely want them all to have that. that. Uh, and I'm comfortable clearing those selections if I want them to be more generic. But I, I use the, you know, create another little checkbox a lot and, oh. and create strings of issues. And this, uh, having it inherited just like off the board or something, I've always felt like that would be an intuitive approach. Well, what they say is that they're on a mission to uncover work that's being hidden by filters. So I wonder if that is fulfilling their goal. When you read the description, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Listeners, is it mission accomplished for Atlassian? Connect with us on social and let us know. And finally, for the Atlassian cloud, there is a feature that's rolling out on Jira, Bitbucket, and Confluence, and that is that they are removing the media picker. The media picker that um, most people don't actually use will now go straight to your system's upload uh, window. So if you're on a Mac, it'll pull up your, your Finder window on a... PC, so on and so forth. Um, You're still going to be able to connect with Dropbox or Google Drive, uh, but they're moving that to smart links. So if you put a, if you drop a link to any of those uh, in a description, it's going to turn into a smart link. And wow, that's it for the functionality portion of the cloud. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some cloud news. ZDNet has an article about Atlassian Cloud Enterprise. This came out on February 2nd, uh, so just a few days before we are recording this podcast. 
the 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 big news here, I think there's two pieces. One is uh, cloud enterprise is going to have plans supporting up to 20,000 users per instance. We see this number of supported users go up. I don't know. It's it's not quite quarterly at this point, but it's been going up pretty quickly over the last year. So up to 20,000 uh, 20, users, uh, service level agreement, 99.95% guaranteed uptime, 24-7 support. Uh, SOC 2, ISO 2700. Uh, 27,001, uh, encryption and transit, like a lot of things that enterprise need. The point that I think is most interesting is the acknowledgement that a lot of large customers don't just have like a single cloud instance, they have a bunch of them. And Atlassian looking to uh, sort of lighten the compliance burden and provide administrative tools that can span all of those, like a central administration hub, uh, which I think is phenomenal. Um, we don't really get any screenshots of that, but uh, I like that they mention it as something that they're thinking about. What we do have a screenshot of at the bottom of the article is about data residency. And we're going to link to a separate article on this topic. This is on the Atlassian community site. It was published February 1st, so the day just before the ZDNet article. And it goes over some of the journey Atlassian's had so far with data residency. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this term, it's effectively being able to decide where your data resides, like what country it's going to be in. And that's important for a few different reasons. There are some countries that actually have laws that say to, to be in compliance, your data has to be stored within that country. Uh, obviously, a big challenge for the cloud where your data might be moved all over the place. Uh, so uh, in simple, like to massively oversimplify this, data residency for Atlassian means... Uh, having a way in cloud to say, I want my data stored here, and it's not going to be moved around to other geographic locations. Uh, now, this is quite challenging because it's not just Atlassian, it's all of the plugins too. And the way that cloud works with apps, we've talked about this a few times, but uh, if you're less familiar with it, uh, the sort of app developers, they have to provide their own servers and infrastructure right now. So it means that they also have to effectively support data residency. Uh, so a lot of sort of big challenges there uh, for everybody. Uh, Adaptus, we've been working on this for a while now. It's, it's complex, but we know it's super valuable for a variety of different customers. One of the things to highlight from the community post Atlassian's asking for feedback. So, of course, as always, we encourage you, if you've got thoughts or feelings on data residency, go let them know. But I think there's a subtext here. It implies me the decisions have not all been made. Um, and while they're sharing uh, a, a public-facing roadmap, you know, they also acknowledge the plans and strategy. <laughs> like, they're looking through June 30th, 2022. Like, there's still a lot to figure out. There's still a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, on on data residency, there's still a lot of work to be done um, because it it is challenging. But this continues Atlassian's march towards they want the cloud to be a better choice for enterprises than a private data center, and that means addressing security and encryption and data residency and like uptime and all of these things and doing it better in the cloud. Uh, they. I mean, they're investing in it and they're pushing in it. Like we we talked before, there's a lot of things Atlassian's tried to do in the past and, and not followed through. Cloud, though, it's been like a decade now, more than probably. And they're doing it. And this is another step. Um, so I 
I think kudos to them for putting June 2022 as a date. I think that's probably reasonable. I think too often in the past we've had like either no date or like, ah, we'll be there in like three months. And it, <laughs> no, these are big, hard, complex things. Um, so I do feel like the Elastin architecture team and, and like they often do a good job of being kind of realistic and setting those expectations. So we'll link to, uh, we'll link to that in the show notes for those of you who want to dig in a bit further. So it's great to hear that Atlassian is putting so much time and energy into enterprise cloud. Uh, but there are plenty of folks that are using data center. Um, and for those of you who are, we have many, many treats for you today. Um, I'm going to cover all of our on-prem server and data center uh, application updates. There are many of them, so I'm going to try and buzz through these fairly quickly. Um, Jira Software 8.15 uh, released February 2nd. Um, Advanced Roadmaps is now part of Jira Software Data Center. Um, so that is uh, going to give you an opportunity to establish your bigger picture, explore alternative scenarios, all that wonderful stuff that you get with advanced roadmaps. Um, another nice highlight is displaying image attachments and email notifications. A small improvement, but an important one. Um, issues don't always display images. Um, and so they are now going to include a security token that allows the users to view images in their email notifications. Um, there is some information in the upgrade notes. Um, so do make sure if you are administering data center, um, take a look at that. Um, and then a nice long list of issues that are resolved in 8.15. Um, take a look at our show notes for more information around Jira software 8.15 for server and data center. Jira service management. In data center, you now get Mindville Insight, um, and this is this is a big deal. You this is um, you get and insight. you get insight and you get insight. Um, so many people are already using Insight. Um, it's a very powerful tool, um, primarily for asset management, um, which goes hand in hand with what Jira Service Management is all about. So it makes sense that. Atlassian would acquire Mindville and then roll the functionality into JSM. Um, so for those of you that are running JSM on data center, take a look. Um, this is part of JSM 4.15. Um, some improvements to customer portals, um, some nice, although not animated GIFs that show hmm. all these screenshots. Um, official mobile support for service projects, a highly useful feature. Um, so official support will be coming for that. Um, and improved data insights. So, and, and again, a nice lengthy list of uh, resolved issues. Um, Jira service management 4.15 for server and data center. Um, take a look at the release notes, which again, we'll be linking to in our show notes. So I think it's interesting here that uh, Atlassian still frames it as Mindville Insight. Often when they acquire something, they, they rebrand it fairly quickly. Um, and not only are they keeping the name Insight, but they're keeping Mindville as part of it. Uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners to the podcast, you'll recall we've talked to um, Mindville, nay, Riata a few times because Mindville actually split from Riata a while back. Um, so it was all one company. Uh, the app development side went over to Mindville. The services side stayed at Riata. And we have some news this week. Uh, the release came out on January 29th that 
EFI code, I assume that's how it's pronounced, EFI code, uh, has acquired Riata. So Riata is uh, one of the leading services companies in uh, Europe. They're located out of Sweden. Um, so I know the, I think the majority of their business is in Sweden. Uh, FE Code, according to the press release, is Europe's leading DevOps company. Uh, and so uh, with the acquisition of Riata, uh, FE Code is really just trying to invest more in the Atlassian ecosystem and the adoption of agile and DevOps practices and tools. So uh, at this point, um, like this is always good news, right? Like more investment, more growth, more synergies and buzzes. Uh, <laughs> but like Riata split to Riata and Mindville and Mindville was acquired by Atlassian and Riata was acquired by FE Code. And I don't know, I think there's something a little bittersweet about that, but I'm sure, you know, for everybody involved, uh, this is this is great. So yeah, kudos and congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. I think it's a smart idea for Atlassian to keep the Mindville Insight branding. Insight is a very common word. And by referring to it as brand Good point. insight, yeah. um, you, I mean, you run the risk. There's so many things that you have insights into. Um, so with it being such a generic word, you had to keep something. I like that they kept Mindville because it references back to this is who actually created it. Um, we may see that branding change in the future, but I think it's, it's a smart move right now. Um, and for those of us that have been around a while, it's, it's a nice, you know, keep things consistent um, in a world of never ending change. I'll just hold on to that. <laughs> and if, if uh, the Eficode team needs us to come over to Sweden and uh, chat about everything, they should just let us know. Cause I, I'd love to go visit mm -hmm. anytime, you know, we, uh, we would, it would be a great hardship, but um, I think we could make it work. Um, when the time is right. Of course, when the time is right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Continuing on the data center Christmas train that we have going here, um, Confluence for server and data center, um, 7.11 is now available as of February 2nd. And for your data center um, enjoyment, analytics for Confluence is now built in. Um, coming back to what I just said about insights, the very first heading on this article is get insights about your whole site. So um, site analytics giving you a lot of information about how everything is being used, going beyond page views, which is sort of the, eh, this, people have looked at this page a time or two. This is, this is a, a good solid analytics tool that gives you a lot of, a lot of data around how everything is being used. Um, team calendars, now part of Confluence Data Center. Uh, more love for team calendars. And um, some improvements to troubleshooting, um, improved log files, greater clarity, et cetera, et cetera. And again, a massive list. And this one I think is maybe longer than the um, two JIRA updates um, of bug fixes and updates. So Confluence 7.11 for server and data center. Uh, release notes will be linked in our podcast show notes. And last but not least, Bitbucket. Bitbucket, no Christmas gifts for you. Huh. Everybody else got something for data center. Nothing, nothing particularly huh. called out here. Um, totally throwing our Christmas train off the tracks. Um, but you can now update pull requests to the latest version. Um, that way, if you're reviewing code and someone else modifies the pull request, Bitbucket will let you know that you can update it to see the latest changes. Um, see, I, I think that's really cool. That's a nice stocking <laughs> stuffer cool. right there. It, it is. It's a nice stocking stuffer. But so it's no Bitbucket users, 
I don't know if you're if you're use if you're a developer, it might be even more important. Mm. So, updated pull requests for everyone. Um, some database support being deprecated, um, and I should mention that this is data center and server 7.10. So deprecated in this version and will no longer be supported in version 8.0, Oracle 11G, MySQL 5.6, and Postgres 9.5. So if you're running any of those platforms um, in particular, you'll want to look at what you can do to upgrade. A, a short list of fixed issues for Bitbucket. Uh, but I, I, I think we can all agree that the being able to update a pull request while you're viewing it is a, is a, a gift worthy of calling out. So <laughs> data center, regardless of what application you're on, there are gifts waiting for you. Go out, look at the latest releases, have fun. And one thing we've talked about a lot is Atlassian's penchant these days for putting features just into data center, not into server as a, a differentiator. Now we all know server is going to be going away, uh, which means someday we will all get these data center features just, you know, for extra cost. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, when they started doing this, uh, I don't remember how many years ago that was, um, but they started just doing data center exclusive features. I, I remember Ryan and I at least being like, uh, they could have put that on server. That's not that big a deal. Um, this is just about the licensing. Uh, but a lot of the things that we're seeing going to data center now are huge value add. Um, like these are really big deals. They are big pieces of software, a lot of time and investment, a lot, a lot of value for your teams. I mean, but it, it reminds me of when I first started working with Elastian back in, in 2007, uh, there were a lot of challenges. It was super cheap. And I had conversations with people like we would be willing to pay more if it was like, make it better and charge us more, please. You know, and I'd be emailed with support, like, why don't you have these features? Why doesn't this exist? We would pay you to add these things. Please do. Um, so, like, I can't feel too bitter about the fact that Atlassian is charging more for so many great improvements and features. Like, it's, that's, it costs money to do it, right? So, um, so yeah, th there's a lot of value here. I mean, getting advanced roadmaps and insight just built in. Yeah. Having those tools, that's, that's cool. It's great. I, I, I agree. I agree. All right. And uh, now we're just going to take a look at some general Alassian news because, well, there's just been a lot of it. <laughs> and look, I can't, I can't believe I have to say this, but uh, Atlassian co-founders and CEOs Mike and Scott went on another podcast first I can't mm. what yeah, I'm just so I am let, disappointed in that right right when it's this little one you may or may not have heard of it's you know it's no adaptivist live and if this is your <laughs> podcast of choice you may be unfamiliar with NPR's how I built this yeah I mean there's a whole world out there that doesn't even know what NPR is right <laughs> <laughs> what? What? How's that even possible? <laughs> Given that Atlassian advertises on NPR, I think NPR has probably got a lot of overlap with the core audience. Just saying. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Uh, well, Maybe. I don't so know. Mike and Scott are featured on this episode, and we will grudgingly link to that on our <laughs> show notes. Now, let's talk about that turkey. 
What I mean by that turkey is the money, man. Because if you're an owner of Atlassian stock, you recently got an update from them with some really interesting news inside of it. But the most important statistics we thought we'd call out was that Atlassian is seeing a healthy 23% year-to-year growth and 95% of their new users are going cloud. Now, we could speculate a couple of things about that, but we're probably not going to. Well, we might go we might go ahead and speculate anyway. But these are big statistics, and it shows that their cloud push is working to some degree. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I will say, like, I'm always skeptical of the like massive amounts of everybody going to cloud because we don't know that they stick with cloud. They might be doing data center. They they might you know have a small instance. It's like if you quantitatively go, we got a hundred new customers. But out of that 198 of them are on 10 user cloud licenses. Eh. That said, this Q2 report also includes 37% increased subscription revenue. Uh, so, like, the the numbers don't lie. Like, whether or not those people are staying on cloud, if they're going to DC, whatever, the the companies are continuing to grow and do well. Yep, and that and they're doing so well that they announced the date of their virtual conference for 2021 in this newsletter. So now you're, you heard it here first, Atlassian Team 21, April 28th and 29th. Still not on the website, but no, in there's the no other details. Yeah, there's no, no real know, details yet. We don't know what's happening at Team 2021. Uh, I, I mean, we could just be staring like, uh, you, you remember that uh, Christmas video of... Uh, it's not uh, the guy who plays Ron Swanson just sitting in front of a uh, fireplace drinking whiskey, drinking <laughs> scotch. Like it could just be Michael Scott sitting sitting on the beach, drinking mai tais. I we don't know. I mean, honestly, I would pay for that. Like <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delightful, frankly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the so, dates out there, no details yet, but we know when it's coming. So you can all um, stock your fridges accordingly. And finally on today's show, some big news from Adaptivist. We've launched Project Configurator for Jira Cloud. And joining me to discuss Project Configurator for Cloud is Product Manager Paul Saunders. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, a pleasure to see you, sir. Paul is not just a product manager. He's also a gifted multi-instrumentalist and tremendous personality. You're good, <laughs> you're good time, man. Good to have you here. You're too kind, Ryan. Too kind. <laughs> well, I try. All right, Paul. Why in the world did we build Project Configurator for cloud? Oh, well, it's, that's a long story, but let me, let me try and condense it down into something a little bit shorter so for your listeners <laughs> to not fall asleep to. Um, yeah, so um, many of you will know that we've, we've, we've had Project Configurator for Jira Server and Data Center out for, for, for many years now. Um, it's a really popular product. You know, it, it's absolutely key one of our staple products that we have. And we've had so many people, including Atlassian, saying, hey, you guys, you need to build a, you need to build a cloud version of this. Um, well, um, unfortunately, the, the APIs for, uh, for Jira Cloud have not really been in the right spot um, to, to actually go and, and actually build and deliver something that was, that was useful for, for, uh, for potential customers there. But over the last year, we've been working really closely with Atlassian um, prioritizing the API development 
And um, and yeah, we, we're in a position where we finally feel that we've got critical mass of the actual API supported and we've got something that is potentially useful for people. So why not get it out there, see what people think, give us their feedback and... Uh, uh, and yeah, it's it's the first iteration of this product, and uh, hopefully something that we'll build on, improve, continue to work with Atlassian, and make uh, make additional features uh, as we go. Um, so, Paul, maybe there are a few of our listeners who don't know the purpose of Project Configurator. So, what what functionality are we bringing to the cloud? Yeah, great question. Okay, so uh, what Project Configurate for Jira Cloud allows us to do is to connect uh, essentially two Jira Cloud instances together and allow you to move configuration of a project of um, uh, configuration data between one instance and another. So that's what we call configuration management. It allows you to um, perhaps in a staging area or some kind of templated instance of Jira Cloud, allow you to set up the configuration like a um, you know a new issue type or a new permission scheme or something like that. Allows you to test it in that test or staging area, um, and then rather than copying that over by hand, which you would need to do today prior to this release, um, it allows you to at the click of a button, actually move that across. And so it takes away all of that um, that manual effort, but also taking away that kind of um, de-risk uh, making mistakes in like that manual uh, configuration management between instances. So Paul, does Project Configurator do any sort of um, reporting to let you know that the configuration has been successfully moved across and is now available in the new instance? Yeah, that yeah, it sure does. So um, what we actually do is we we do a simulation before it actually moves it across as well. Um, so when you've chosen the actual um, the instances that you're trying to connect and you've chosen which project you want to move across, it actually goes through all of that project configuration and all of the what we call core configuration as well, and it checks that it's able to move it across before it does it. Because um, what we don't want people to do is actually press a button and it completely screws up their production instance, obviously. Because <laughs> there will be scenarios where it might overwrite something or you know there might be some essential um, uh, prerequisite that's missing there. So it basically, it'll go down and do a comparison and say, yeah, you're good, you're good. Ah, oh, hang on, here's a problem. You're going to need to fix this or you're going to need to eliminate this before you actually do it. So in, our, in the um, server product, we had that concept of a simulation, but we don't force the user down that particular route because we kind of like say, yeah, we're all grown-ups. You know, we, we recommend <laughs> that you do a simulation, but we don't force it. In this case, in cloud, we took a step back and we said, actually, we want to we want to force a simulation beforehand. And as you say, when we do it for real, we also give that feedback as well. So, yeah. With Project Configurator Cloud, are you able to export configuration as code? Uh, not right now, but that is something that's on our roadmap. So, uh, what we one of the use cases that we are that we do solve um, in the server product is that people want to be kind of take a um, uh, take a kind of a backup of their configuration and dump it into XML. That was in our that was in our plan, but to, it, we didn't include it in the release scope. Um, so that is something that we are looking to do going forward. And furthermore, we want to actually be able to integrate with the server product as well. 
So potentially do server to cloud and vice versa in future. Awesome. What would you think, what do you think is the killer feature of, uh, of Project Configurator Cloud? What's your favorite part? Um, so for me, I, my favorite part and the part that I'm most proud of is, is it's not so much a feature, but it's, it's the user interface and the user experience that we provide. Um, we put a lot of work into actually um, making it really, really user-friendly and uh, making it uh, intuitive to use. So, you know, you see quite a lot of apps out there where you kind of need a computer science degree to figure out how to use them. In this case, you know, we, 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 we don't expect a child to go and, and do it, but, you know, we, we have this kind of linear step where it actually tells you, like, what is it you want to move? Where do you want to move it to? Um, how do you want to move it? Right, here's a button to press to test it. Here's a button press to do it, um, to do it for real. Um, we think that, that we, we're really proud of what we've done with the user experience there. It's, and it's quite a sort of a groundbreaking set of... Um, uh, design challenges that we've overcome um, in this particular um, in this particular setting for us. So yeah, I'm really proud of that. All right, Paul. Atlassian has announced that they're working on a similar feature that's going to be built in to Jira Cloud in the future. Mm-hmm. What are what's uh, what's the deal there, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that one took us by surprise a little bit as well because we were working with one team. Uh, on this, and then we found out another team was working on that. But do you know what? That's fine. We we love competition, um, and being first to market doesn't necessarily mean it's like the, the most successful. We've seen lots of examples of that in the past. But it once we thought, you know, a couple of weeks out, we thought we we're going to be first to market. Then for sure, I really wanted to to get there first. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are going to be some crucial differences between our functionality and what they offer built in. And maybe that's where the key differentiator is, right? Yeah, sure. So for sure, they'll have like absolute strengths that they'll be able to do. So, you know, they don't need to use public APIs to actually work with that. So for sure, they'll have a lot more features. But we think with our user experience, with our enhanced reporting capability, and for things like doing app migration as well, we think that we we could have an edge and we could have a product that, that will stand the test of time. Excellent. So Paul, who helped you build this thing? Oh uh, well, it was the it, it was uh it was a confluence of multiple teams, Ryan. <laughs> did you see what I did there? <laughs> oh I saw oh I saw it. I almost liked it too. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Um, yeah, we had a, a team which uh, uh, who works with me is largely based in the UK. Has been working on some of our other next generation uh, products uh, on the cloud side of things. We have a team that's based in Seville in in Spain who is uh, been working on the the previous version of Project Configurator, and then we have all kinds of other kind of like shared service teams that brought this together. I think the last count there was something like forty or fifty people who who contributed to this project. So it's been a real labor of love across across a lot of people. So yeah, really proud of the effort that we put in in a short period of time as well. Excellent. Well, Paul Saunders, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss the launch of Project Configurator for Jira Cloud. See you soon, man. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Always a pleasure. All right. So all our viewers at home, thank you for joining us for episode 110 of Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. As always, remember to follow us on social at Adaptivist. Hit us up, let us know uh, about your Q2 predictions. And 
any gifts you would like uh, to, to share with us to liven our February holidays. And for Brian Spoken, Brenda Burrell, and myself, Matthew Stubblefield, thank you so much. And we will see you next time on Adaptivist Live. Great, good job.